Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations on the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Welcome in the sports tonight. I'm Chris Stoner. Today I'm joined by my BSL colleague, Joe Lucia. Joe is, in addition to covering sports media for us, he's also the managing uh, editor for Awful Announcing. Joe, how are you? I'm doing very well, Chris. Thanks for having me today. Uh, my thanks for joining us and the uh, great work that you've added to the site. Uh, a lot of strong commentary. like to get some thoughts on Awful Announcing, uh, particularly uh, well, for people who don't know, just give some background on the site. Well, we cover sports media and the whole sports world at large. We launched, gosh, I want to say like 13 years ago by a guy named Brian Powell. He kind of stepped back from the site, and I want to say around 2009, 2010, and that's where our current company took over, bought out the site, started running it. Uh, I joined the site at the end of 2011, and I've been in an editorial role since probably end of 2012 or so. So it was part of Blockland, I believe, and then it's currently part of uh, Nesson. Is that correct? Uh, we're part of the Comeback Network. It's essentially uh, all the same people. We just kind of split off into our own company and kind of uh, took all the team-based sports sites out of the uh, out of the equation. So, and how many uh, contributors do you have, uh, basically? Uh, right now, we have about 10 regular contributors, but uh, we normally have more. But uh, with the pandemic shutting everything down, we've kind of shut down our freelance program over the last four months or so. Hopefully, we'll get that back up and running once uh, sports are back and uh, traffic and ad rates hopefully rebound. I imagine most of our listeners are familiar with Awful Announcing, but if not, check out the site. They do... Uh, uh, strong work, and if, you know, I, I, they've had a nice independent voice, and they've uh, been able to cover uh, sports media throughout the landscape strongly for a long time, uh, particularly to your last point there, Joe, obviously uh, in this COVID environment. Uh, so talk about being sports media, covering sports media without live sports. <laughs> uh, the good news is that even without live games, there's still – sports networks on the air so we still have something to cover it's just not uh as in-depth or interesting as usually because you know there's no live games so there's no like bloopers happening there's no like uh silly situations or announcing gaffes or anything like that so that's kind of one area that we've really been lacking over the last four months but there's still like programming choices talent leaving uh shifts to the daily schedule things like that and uh, they're still announcing like future plans so we can cover all that and uh it's been difficult just because there's so much less content and whenever there is something out there so many more sites are biting on it now because we're all desperate just for something to happen. Yeah, like you said, you still have the business uh, aspect of it, uh, including you know, recent changes at ESPN as they're going to revitalize their uh, radio lineup once more. What, what are your general takes there? It's a weird situation because it seems like they're trying to cater to people that – 
really just won't listen. I mean, people have their set morning routines, and I really don't know if people are going to go away from these set routines to uh, jump on this new morning show with Keyshawn Johnson and Jay Williams and a regular sports center anchor and Zubin Mahanty. It's uh, it's a weird situation for them because they had so much success for so long with Mike and Mike, and then they broke Mike and Mike up, and now they have this new morning show after Mike Golick and Trey Wingo kind of really failed to attract an audience. And I don't know if they're going to even be able to build on that because it's such a different show from Mike and Mike and from what Mike and Trey were. So uh, that's going to be uh, really tough for them, I think, to uh, get that kind of listener base that they might be looking for early in the morning. Greenberg seems to be a uh, golden child with with, with ESPN. Uh, the split with Mike and Mike, you know, there was rumors that it was kind of driven by him and his desire to get more back to uh, New York. And they launched a Get Up show, which struggled in year one and had more success as a, as they went on. And it looks like with this current shakeup, he would gain a uh, a radio show on top of his Get Up duties. Uh, one was I correct that Get Up has grown since their initial year and uh to uh, is he uh do you think he's the star they should be hanging their hat on i i guess i mean nothing you really said there is wrong get up was kind of like really lambasted in its first year the launch was really weird they launched it like the day of the ncaa tournament final which is a really strange time to launch a show because you're going into like the driest part of the sports calendar. I mean, who's going to watch a general sports talk show that's brand new in like June when all they have to talk about is baseball. So it really did get off to a slow start and football season started up and it kind of rebounded and it's now kind of just there and it has, it's kind of built an audience and I guess it's some sort of a success, but as for Greenberg, I mean, who actually is crying out for more Mike Greenberg takes? I mean, we get like two or three hours of him on Get Up. Now we're getting two hours of him on the radio every day. That's a lot of Mike Greenberg and the guy. I mean, he's a fine like anchor and host, but I don't want the guy like constantly giving his opinion. That's uh, that's really not something that interests me at all. But yet ESPN is going back to the well again. And part of the reason Mike and Mike was such a success was because he had so much chemistry with Mike Golick. But with this new show, I mean, he's hosting it alone. So there's really no chance for him to build up any chemistry with anyone since it's just him and a random supply of guests. So uh, I really don't get that strategy, but they really seem to like it. He must have pictures of someone. Yeah, I had the same general take as you. I think he's a fine, uh, fine host. You might want to limit the opinions, and if you're – Giving him a few more hours a day—that's what you're, what you're going to wind up getting. Uh, also, they have a huge roster of talent at ESPN, and it seems like they could better utilize some of the, uh, some of the other voices instead of just one. Uh, obviously, you mentioned his old partner there, Golick and uh, Wingo, which uh, never seemed to really catch on. Um, their contracts, I believe, were expiring at the end of this uh, this year, and there have been some rumors about them potentially being the new Money Night host. Does that make any sense to you? 
I mean, Golick already announced he's going to be a college football game analyst for ESPN this season, assuming we have college football, of course. Uh, no idea who his partner's going to be. They haven't really gotten that far yet. As for Trey Wingo, I mean, he's like consummate NFL host for ESPN, so I'm sure he'll kind of settle into a role doing something along those lines if he does remain with them. So I think uh, I think he's going to kind of scale back from the uh, – opiniony radio host type gig and settle into something more just kind of like Mike Greenberg should. Last couple of days, there was an article at the ringer uh, talking about sports media in the COVID environment. And uh, one of the points that they were directly making was uh, how writers have to strike a balance between uh, what they're covering and frankly, some of their own uh, practical needs of, uh, if there are games, they have a job. If they if there are not games, their job's at risk. Um, so uh, between that and just overall, just talk about uh, covering sports right now, what, what you're seeing uh, out of reporters, what they've been able to do this last few months about live sports, and then also in this uh, current potential ramp up as some leagues are you know, kicking off here. Uh I mean, first off, that was a really great article on the Ringer by Brian Curtis. He's a fantastic writer, and I agree with pretty much everything in it. A lot of fans kind of are critical of reporters just reporting on the current situation, saying, oh, you want sports to be canceled. No, we we don't want sports to be canceled because if sports are canceled, we're like all out of work, which really sucks. We don't want that to happen. But uh, it's an interesting situation because you have to balance like the you know day-to-day game performance type thing once we start getting sports back with like the more practical wide-ranging health concerns like what happens when when not if a player tests positive after he plays in a game uh what happens to the rest of the roster uh what are like the long-term impacts of that on like salary and benefits and all that kind of thing. And it's really kind of turning reporters into just more than like guys who will write up gamers. Like they have to go more in depth on what's going to be going on with uh, the whole situation. Once we finally do start getting games back next week. And uh, right now over the last couple of weeks, it's been kind of a, hazy situation because of like uh, less availability to players and coaches and press conferences, interviews and that sort of thing. So there's less information to go off of. And like some of these practice type things are closed to the media. So we're kind of just relying on random snippets from like the teams themselves. So it's uh, it's really hard to kind of, uh, do the type of content we were all used to a year ago with uh, all these new restrictions in place. So uh, a lot of writers are going to have to uh, get more creative with their game coverage. Yeah, I think that's a key. I mean, you see a lot of, you have historically seen a lot of beat reporters who uh, are just putting out, frankly, press releases that the teams are are providing where they've put a mic in front of somebody's uh, face and they're regurgitating, uh, uh, that this requires people to do more, you know, projection and analysis and tell other stories that, that aren't directly readily available to them. So you've seen some people that have been creative and able to do that, and you've seen others uh, that kind of struggle. So I'm interested if, if their job changes in terms of uh, 
access and otherwise uh, you see further separation in terms of uh, coverage going forward. But obviously that article I said by Kurt, Brian Curtis was at the uh, ringer. The head of the ringer is Bill Simmons. It's been an interesting year for him uh, between the, uh, the highs of the uh, uh, Spotify announcement and their major deal there. And then also uh, some recent uh, criticism uh, about him being tone deaf and potentially uh, not having a diverse enough uh, staff. So kind of general takes where the ringer is now and some of the year uh, Simmons has faced. It's really strange with the ringer because when they launched, we kind of expected it to be like Grantland 2.0 with like this really strong lineup of written content and these fantastic articles. And it's kind of gone the other way in that they're making a lot of their money and focusing a lot more on podcasts and the written articles are still there, but they don't get passed around as much. There's not as tr- much traction with them. But yet they got this quarter of a billion dollar buyout from Spotify. So they, they must be doing something right there. And as for the diversity issue, I mean, I'm a white guy. So it's tough for me to talk about diversity because I really have no insights into what anyone is going through. But it's always something that we're conscious of, but we don't want it to like affect decision making. It's a situation where it's not like a conscious bias. We're not like trying to constantly hire uh, middle-aged white dudes for all these positions, yet that's the way it ends up because 95% of the people that apply are middle-aged white dudes. So it really kind of is a selection bias kind of thing. And I don't don't think Simmons is uh, innocent in this situation because he has such a big reach and he can attract so many more people of various races and uh, genders and everything under the sun, but he just kind of ends up going to a situation where he only hires like more established voices of color, which uh, I really don't think that's the way to kind of build up your base. You're looking at a situation where you're bringing in these people that have uh, your readers and listeners and viewers have heard of already instead of kind of taking somebody and like kind of like as a lump of clay and molding it into what you want in a writer or a podcaster or a YouTuber or whatever. I have some good points there. I particularly like the idea of utilizing uh, their platform to build up uh, like a new, uh, you know, potential new generation. But there is, um, it's some seeking talent. It's some having talent needing to come to them. I took some of that criticism uh, directly uh, and just thinking about Baltimore sports and life in, in general in terms of, I looked at our contributors and uh, a lot of white faces and uh, all male. And there have been times that, I, that I've uh, I've attempted to bring on both um, both women and more diversity to the site, and I haven't been successful. But I went in the last month and have added um, a few new contributors to the site, uh, hopefully uh, to – you know, have other voices represented, uh, and I hope we can do more of that uh, going forward. That it doesn't all look look the same, uh, it doesn't all sound the same. And you know, I, I realize, in, like in a business room, they always say that you're uh, you're better off if you have that um, diversity of thoughts. So that's something that uh, 
I took to heart. We'll, we'll see if we can uh, uh, do more of that with our site. And hey, the same thing is true with us at Awful Announcing. I mean, that wasn't just like a direct attack or anything like that at this site. I mean, at Awful Announcing, we're we're pretty much all men. We have like one regular female freelancer, but we're all men. And we have, I mean, a few Asian men, but the rest of us are white males. So it's it's not a situation where we're looking at it and saying, oh, we're superior or whatever. I, I think that's absolutely ridiculous. I think it's a situation where this is just how the cards fell and we're constantly looking to expand, but it's tough to expand when the pool of candidates is really so low. Uh, so the other, uh, you know, the ringers got plenty of attention. Uh, the other kind of, interesting site for me at the national level right now is the athletic of course the athletic has uh outlets in each you know basically major market across the country uh in june awful announcing wrote about the uh, layoffs that uh the athletic had experienced i believe about eight percent of their their staff what are your how do you see the athletic at this point do you think the model is working uh despite the layoffs obviously they were reacting to uh, the market and being affected. Uh, but do you like their, um, you know, their pay-to-play environment? Do you, do you like that setup? Do you think they're working? Uh, before the pandemic, it was going great. I mean, they were just like experiencing constant growth, constantly hiring people and expanding into new market coverage and teams and that sort of thing. But uh, – then we had this round of layoffs that really kind of came out of nowhere. They like completely pillaged this MMA vertical that they launched a year ago. And I personally wrote about that uh, launching and I really loved it. Like they had like this all-star talent list of writers and now almost all of them are gone. So it kind of feels like that this round of layoffs they had was kind of looking at where they were least successful and kind of cutting some excess weight off there. Like you'll notice they really didn't cut off national voices or people covering like the super popular sports, like uh, the more popular college football or NFL teams or premier league teams or anything along those lines. So it's a situation where uh, when you experience constant growth, you eventually have to take a step back. This was their step back. I don't think there's going to be another major round of layoffs in their future. Unless, unless we get the unheard of situation of, all football being canceled, in which case this is going to get, affect a whole lot of people in a whole lot of ways. But overall, I think the model is working to some degree. I really enjoy it. But again, it depends on uh, what sports you like, what teams you like, and more specifically, who the writers are that cover your favorite teams for the athletic. Like, I love uh, their Ravens coverage and their Man City coverage. It's awesome. Their Braves coverage, eh, not so great for me, but two out of three ain't bad. But if you're a fan and you don't like any of the writers that cover your favorite team, I mean, there's not a whole lot of reasons for you to sign up, even when you get one of their 80 million promo codes for free months or discounted years. So it's a situation where it really just kind of depends on what you're looking for, who you like. Uh, I'll be speaking to their editor-in-chief, uh, Stuart Mandel, tomorrow. Uh, any questions you would like me to pass on for, for uh, Stuart to 
school? I mean, I just really want to know what they're going to do if there's no college football because they've really kind of uh, wrung the cloth dry over the last four months. And if they have to go another, even if there's spring college football, even if they have to go another six months without college football, I want to know, like, what coverage plans could they possibly have in mind? There is not much left in that barrel for them to go to. Uh, so that kind of runs through the topics that I've given you. So I'm going to give you a couple of wild cards here. What were your uh, – uh, any sites that have left us? You mentioned Grantland earlier. Uh, for me, a site that I really loved was uh, Sports on Earth. What What is some of the past coverage that is uh, no longer with us that you, you uh, enjoyed? I mean, I used to really enjoy the like super old Deadspin from like 10 years ago when it was super irrelevant, irreverent, excuse me, and didn't take uh, didn't take much too seriously. That was a site I really enjoyed. And that I mean, now the zombie Deadspin, as we call it, I mean, I just don't even click on it. I don't go there. I don't really uh visited at all and then the deadspin before that i thought was like almost too political i usually don't have much of a problem with that but i felt yeah. like it was it was a little too much for me but uh old school deadspin was a site i would go to like 10 times a day because they were constantly updating with ridiculous stories and who individually or a platform at large uh, right now do you like that you don't think gets enough uh, uh credit nationally Oh man, that's a good question. Uh, hmm. What do I like now? Uh, man, you really put me on the spot with that one. Uh, if one doesn't immediately come to mind, you can think about it in a future uh, future column. There. Oh yeah, that's a that's a good idea for a future column. Yeah, I can't think of anybody immediately to mind that jumps out because you know there hasn't hasn't been a lot of sports, so I'm not you know indulging as much content as I used to. Uh, but yeah, we'll I can't come, think of any names off the top of my head right now. Yeah, we'll come back to that. Uh, but Joe, I appreciate the time. Appreciate the insights. Again, thanks for being part of the site. And also, again, encourage uh, people to go check out Awful Announcing, follow uh, Joe's work there. And of course, Joe, people can find you on Twitter. Where? Uh, Joe underscore T-O-C. All right, Joe, my thanks again for joining, and uh, uh, that'll do it for us. Uh, take care.